This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com, the Big Change Program with Josh Lajani, and now WellStart Health. All those and this podcast are part of my mission to help you live an innovative and involved life. So I personally would not have predicted that the guy behind Lunchables and Slim Jim Jerky Sticks might save the planet. Um, but <laughs> Rody Hawkins, a muscle physiologist, a consultant to the meat industry for decades, a nutrition wonk, and a pioneer in shelf-stable food technology, has just launched a plant-based meat replacement company that's getting global attention for both the quality and environmental benefits of its product. And in case I wasn't clear enough, Rody is no vegan. He supports animal agriculture. He thinks that animal protein is a healthy food for humans, much more so than carbs. And yes, I did give him copies of Proteinaholic and Hole in the Low-Carb Fraud when we met last week, which he promised to read. In fact, Rody proactively bugged me via email to make sure I brought those books with me for our meeting. But whatever he thinks of plant versus animal protein, he certainly sees the writing on the wall for the meat industry. There's not enough planet to feed us all on a meat-based agricultural system. So Hawkins has figured out a way to cut out the middleman, or the middle cow, middle chicken, middle pig, and so on, and turn soybeans directly into a product that can mimic the texture and cooking properties of any kind of meat, beef, chicken tenders, flaky fish, you name it. And in case you missed it, this is not a whole food plant-based product. I don't recommend that my fellow whole food plant-based adherents ditch the whole food part and start eating fake meat made from plants. But if this product can do what Hawkins claim it can, then it will save billions of animals' lives per year. It will allow ecosystems decimated by animal agriculture to recover. It will reduce the scourge of feedlots and abattoirs, and it will feed the growing human population while buying us time to transition to some truly sustainable form of agriculture. If you're interested in what that might look like, check out my interview with vegan permaculturalist Will Bonsall, which is episode 224 of this podcast. Also, Hawkins' company, Improved Nature, is located in my home state of North Carolina, which is one of the worst animal ag offenders in the nation. So regional pride compels me to point out that we're doing some things right, and once Dr. Garth Davis moves to Asheville in the spring, we will be totally rocking the plant-based world. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope it gives you hope. And you can see this as one more piece of the puzzle that will be the inevitable plant-based revolution. So without further ado, Rody Hawkins, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Well, thank you very much. So we're here to talk about uh, your company, Improved Nature, and the the products that you're that you're coming out with. But I think it's it's really interesting to put it in the context of of your career up to this point. Can you uh, can you give us a sense of, of what you've done and where you've been? Well, I I, uh, I grew up on a farm in Tennessee, and uh, I was always interested in being a veterinarian, and but I wanted to help not only be a veterinarian, but I wanted to also help help feed the world, I guess, one of those early, early things. And, uh, I got, when I got to college, I, I ended up, um, uh, by accident, ended up in a, in a career called meat science. And I was working with, uh, producing, uh, food through, uh, uh, through the, uh, basically meat industry. My first job out of, out of, I was, um, I was a muscle physiologist, meat biochemistry with a minor in biochemistry and nutrition which I was very basically trained, but I ended up going into work at Oscar Mayer right out of school. And one of the first uh, job things I did about six months out of school, I created a new product that ended up being called Lunchables for Oscar Mayer back in the 1980s. And I left there and actually went into the, uh, looking about, I was really looking to feed displaced populations and how do you make food shelf stable and last for a longer period of time. But my career took me to a company uh, which is basically Slim Jims, which I ended up in the meat snack industry, and I was running R and D for for uh, for Slim Jims, and that was back when we were trying to convince stores to carry meat snacks in their in their stores that that people would actually would eat these products. 
But what that what that career opened up for me was a whole uh, interesting uh, career with uh, shelf stable food, and so I started doing work with the U.S. military uh, for rations for United Nations and for the for the uh, U.S. U.S. military and NATO uh, shelf stable foods that would last for three years uh, sitting in your car. So it it's become a very uh, good industry there of how do you how you feed displaced population and feeding the world? It led, but you, you would say, okay, how do I end up with, with improved nature? It seems like a really long roundabout way, but it came to a point where uh, the plant protein, uh, or and basically soy protein, was a really a big part of not only the animal industry but also the uh, meat industry. And that technology, we with the idea, I said, well, is there any way? Myself and my partners, is any way to make uh, a product that has the same eating experience and the same nutritional profile and the same cooking profile uh, without out of plants and, and bypass the uh, the uh, animal? And that led us to uh, a couple of my partners that worked for a lot of the different soy companies. And the whole thing that we were concentrating on was the texture has to be right. We have to have the right texture. If you don't have the right texture, that eating experience is not going, going to make it. So that's where we came up with the company, Improved Nature. We actually, millions of dollars and many years of research, uh, our partners developed a technology that turns plant protein into fibers that forms strips, nuggets, cutlets, and fillets. So that's a kind of roundabout history of how I ended up where I'm at today. Gotcha. gotcha. So I'm, I'm glad we got there there early because a lot of my listeners would be wondering, what am I doing interviewing a guy who's, who's yeah, worked for... Yeah, I, yeah I'm, a meat, I'm, a meat, I'm a meat scientist. That's where I, that technology is where I, I came from. But I'm really, I'm, I was really a muscle physiologist, meat biochemistry, the Meyer and biochemistry and nutrition. So I understand that background. I understand how uh, food is put together, the nutritional properties, and how it affects your, your, your diet and nutrition in a very basic chemical way. Great. Now, yeah, I'd love to get into that, but I'm, I'm curious because as, as I was first listening to your story about growing up in a farm, wanting to be a veterinarian, wanting to feed the world, it sounds a lot like, you know, T. Colin Campbell. I'm not sure if you you know, who wrote the China study, who, who, be, who became, you know, the sort of the godfather of plant-based nutrition. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, are you, do you look back at, like, is this, is this sort of like a natural evolution of a scientist and a, um, an entrepreneur? Or is, is there like atonement? <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? Like, like, are no, you looking, uh, look, looking back no, and saying, I, "I want to change what I've done"? No, I don't want to change what I've done. I'm, I'm, I don't feel like it's like an atonement, but I do look at it like this way, Howard. I, I looked at how do you feed 10 billion people uh, at, by the year 2050 with the same resources you have? So that was an interesting uh, question and problem. So how do you how do you do something like that? And uh, I looked at that as saying there's no way you could do that by just getting more and more efficient in the same ways you're doing today. And I'm saying the same ways of growing crops or feeding animals. We've done a, the American agriculture has done an amazing job of getting more and more efficient. We've learned a lot of technology and we've helped to train the world how to feed itself. But, as a, but there's a law of diminishing returns there. You're never going to, you're never going to stay ahead of that curve unless you, can find some new innovative ways to do that, and that's where I, it got us into the plant uh, plant protein area. Is that that is the way you can? In fact, we can feed 10 billion people uh, using the same resources we have today. So, so that was what brought me to to this area. Is how do you it's how do you feed 10 billion people and with the same resources? And I look at it like this, Howard. I look at it like right now there's there's conflicts and things in the world. There's there's issues and things we have to address. But when people and and people for the most part 
there's plenty of food. It's really, if people are starving, it's just, it's a matter of distribution today. It's a matter of just getting the food to the people because we can produce enough food today to feed everybody. But when you get to a situation where you're not producing enough food to feed everybody, just think how bad those conflicts are going to be. When people are hungry, that's going to be really uh, a major problem. And that's where I think plant, plant-based solutions will help solve that particular problem. Right. In, so in this a big is, way. Right. So, so you're really coming, coming from a place of the, the plant-based approach to feeding people is simply the, the only one that makes sense as we move forward, as our population grows, as our needs change. That, uh, exactly. It's, it's, it's yeah. not, it's not a, um, you know, a conversion experience for you. You said, you know, you didn't like, you know, look into a cow's eyes and change everything you believe. This is, this is sort of like hard nosed science, data, economics, geopolitics, evidence around, uh, right. This, this is and, where we need to go. Right. And, and, and you see, and I'm having an interesting person cause I, I know I have good friends on both sides. I mean, I, 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 I run the gamut of, of people I know who are who are from one extreme to the other extreme in this in these issues. But one of the things that and and I will tell you this: all of these all people, for the most part, I, there's a few very very few exceptions. Thank goodness, really respect animals. They they understand what they do for us. And and I I have have I've pets. I've always had pets, and I've always. Uh, respected the uh, the animals and what they give give for us, but it's just not it. it and I'm, I'm not saying that we we need. I'm, I'm not in the boat that we need to eliminate animal agriculture altogether. But I do say that it will not help feed the world ongoing, and we need to be able to produce enough food to feed the population. And we don't want to. And one of the reasons I think I'm in a unique position here is that I understand what what everybody would uh what meat eaters actually want, what they perceive they want. And my training has through through my thirty plus years, I've I've sat through many focus groups and, and many trials and seen studies and you know, I've seen all the research from a, from a very clinical way and I know what, what we need to do to produce that. And I think that's going to lead to our success and improve nature. Great. So, you know, when you talk about um, ter- having this technology to turn plants into things that, that look and taste and have the nutritional profile and cook like meat, um, that's, is that like, that's not what, what we, that's what we do all the time, right? That's what humans do. That's what plant-eating animals do. So is there some... As a muscle physiologist, did you look at sort of how animal organisms convert plants into meat that that uh, inspired your research? Well, let, let me tell you what. Uh, let me let me explain that a little bit better because it sounds like uh, we, we're just another meat tea company, and I don't think we are. One of one of the things we're doing is uh, muscle. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get a little deep in, in my my battery. Muscle is made up of fibers and that's so when you if you ever looked at meat and you see how it shreds and pulls apart that is that's those are muscle fibers that are being shredded apart uh the the technology that we're looking at is and, and it's basically it's all it's most, it's all protein based it's 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 it is the same protein that you're finding in uh plant proteins sometimes the amino acid profile is a little bit different but there are four complete proteins that are out there that that are have all the essential amino acids that you need. It is dairy protein, it is meat protein, it's egg protein, and then there's soy protein. Those four, the only one that's plant-based is soy protein, as the they have the same amino acid structure. So if we could take that soy protein, and this is what we're starting with, I mean, and our our process is not limited to just that one plant protein, but it is the simplest rendition because it, 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 it has the same amino acid profile as the other three that are not plant protein. And if we could take that protein and, and align it into fibers and then form those fibers into strips, nuggets, cutlets, and fillets that, that give you the, that 
fibrous protein mouthfeel and bite, then you would have something that, that would satisfy even the most hardcore meat eater. And that's what Improved Nature is doing. And here's the really cool thing we're doing. it. We're doing that with only one ingredient in water, and that's the plant protein. So we're taking a powder of, of, of in this particular case, soy protein, but it could be any, it could be any powdered protein. And we're lining those into fibers and we're forming those fibers and strip nuggets, cut loose and flays. And when we get finished with it, all we, we're not adding, using any other ingredients. We're not using salt. We're not using gums. We're not, we're not doing, we're not doing a, a major chemistry set here. We are just basically using heat, water, and the natural alignment of the protein to form a structure that has the same uh, eating experience as, as a meat product. And from that base product, we can do all sorts of amazing things. We're doing, we can do uh, a tender, we can do uh, beef strips, we can do um, things that look like beef strips and they have, they have the same structure, they'll shred, they will, they'll cook just like those, uh, those products. Uh, we've done things like uh, chicken breasts. We've done things like uh, white, white uh, meat, uh, white fish that has a real flakiness, and you can take a fork and flake it apart because we have the fibers that you would find in, in a, some type of white fish. We are even doing a jerky that you cannot tell the difference between that and regular, regular uh, beef jerky. In fact, I've had. I've fed this product to hardcore beef jerky eaters, and they they say this is great. They say this is they they say I I wouldn't think I would ever like something that's made out of plants, but this I'll eat this instead of instead of beef jerky. So I I, I think we're in the right. I'm in the right position because I'm especially some of those products because I've, I've I've had years of experience of what what the consumer would like and what they will eat. And, and I think this is a nice way to, to get there without, you know, going after the emotional side of it, just meeting the desire of, is this good stuff to eat? And it is. Right. Well, I'm guessing if you, if you come out with a product that meat eaters can't tell the difference and it's, you know, it doesn't have the, same, the, the negative nutritional profile of, of meat and it tastes good and it's, cheap, you know, it's less expensive or, or as expensive as meat, you're probably going to do more for animals than, you know, a million activists. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so that's the reason I, that's the reason people will look at me and go like, well, I don't necessarily agree with your philosophy, but boy, we love you because what you're doing is fills right into where, you know, where we like to go. And, and that's, and that's fine with me. I have no problem with that. Uh, and I tell you my, my goal is, it, it, it sounds very um, altruistic or, or just, you know, uh, Pollyannish, I guess. But I, I really set out, I wanted to make a contribution. I think most people do that help, help the world. And I've, I realized I'm in a unique position after all my years that I could do something that's really uh, will change the dynamic of, of where we're going. One of, one of the things that I, a little more back where I've been is uh, – I, I worked for two of the largest food companies. Uh, one of them was uh, uh, Kraft, which is known as Kraft today, Kraft Heinz, and the other one was ConAgra. And so I was in a position of, of making major decisions for those for those two companies. But I left there. I left the the, uh, the uh, world and, and started my own company in, in 2002, and started doing contract work with different food companies. And that has actually been even more. Uh, rewarding that I've worked for over a hundred different food companies, some of the largest ones in the world, and I've done everything from from working on baby food to um, military rations. So I've done the nutrition from one end of the extreme to the other, and so that all that background, all that training, uh, gave me a, a very unique understanding as well as a lot of connections in order to launch something like what we're getting ready to launch today. In the past, when I, we would come up with new technology, my, my former group uh, of, of consultants, we had over, uh, I think, 26 or 27 different patents and different technologies. And when we, when we create something new, we would actually look to partner with a major food company and go to them and say, hey, 
there's some new technology. We'll work with you and help you to commercialize this. But when we came up with this technology through our, our partnership with um, we decided that we wanted to make sure that this technology gets launched correctly. We didn't want to just give it to one group. We're trying to help uh, partner with different groups, different food companies, different uh, um, retailers to produce products that are unique to them. So just like a, and I look at it like this, just like a meat company would supply beef to the to the industry, we're trying to su- supply meatless beef, I guess, or, or beef replacement to the to the industry. The other thing that's really interesting about what we're doing here, Howard, is our product is actually shelf-stable. Mm-hmm. So we can, manuf- we can manufacture our product, and it'll last for at least two years before we, can, we have to turn it into the finished product. So there's another interesting thing about our, our, our product, product is it's a, it, you can almost even think about our product like, like pasta. You got you got all sorts of different shapes of pasta. You got spaghetti and and fettuccine and linguine, but they're all dry. How do you turn it into pasta? You boil it in water for about 15 minutes. Our product is the same thing. It is we set up these we set up our meat structures, the fiber structures, and it's dry, and then we turn it into the finished product by boiling in water for about 15 minutes. So. Instead of becoming al dente, though, our product become has a fibrous, uh, meat-like texture that that people desire to have in their mm-hmm. in their products. And then after that point, you can do anything you want to with it. You can batter bread it, you can uh, fry it, you could re- you can actually can it, you could freeze and thaw it. It it performs as a stable structure that forms just it, it, that forms just like the the uh, meat product that you're replacing. Uh-huh. So you, you could do you could do a whole bu- Bubba thing from uh, from uh, Forrest Gump with it, right? Yeah, yeah, just like the Forrest Gump movie where you talk about you can do all the different shrimp things. You, you know what you can do it. In fact, it it is really amazing to me what right right now as we're launching. And we're just now launching. We're just getting out there. Our first product we're launching is uh, a what we're calling a, a crispy tender improved crispy tender it looks like a chicken tender it looks like white meat chicken and and that what's so cool about our product it is it is soy protein and water and a very uh, a vegetarian uh, uh chicken flavor inside that's it that's three ingredients and then just the batter breading around the outside in this particular case we're using whole grain wheat uh and some uh a cornmeal to make the batter breading and that's it. So it looks just like any chicken tender that you would uh, you would get at McDonald's or, or Burger King or any or, or any school lunch, but it's it's all plant based. And when we shown that to people, uh, we first a lot of people will try, but some people say I I can't eat that. And I go why can't you eat that? He said I'm a vegetarian. I said no no you can eat this. And uh, I guess the 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 worst are the uh, I, I would I've had this compliment maybe two or three times in our, in our trying most vegetarians really love it but occasionally I get one to say I can't eat your product I feel like I'm cheating I feel like I'm I'm, I'm violating my my principles here by eating what you, what you're showing me and actually I look at that and go like you know what that's that's actually a compliment and uh, I'm sorry that you feel that way but we've done our job and we are doing something that will actually help a lot of people. Uh, reduce their consumption of animal products, just like you said earlier, and that's what sure. we're working for. So I'm I'm real curious about the sort of the timing of this because you know I'm I'm involved in the plant based movement, and we always like sure. to tell ourselves that we're on the cusp of something, right? Like I've been, you know, we've been on the cusp of this since the 1980s, since Boca Burgers, <laughs> and, you know, and stuff right. that you, <laughs> you know, like the only good thing about Boca Burger was that it wouldn't fall into the grill. Um, you know, but so like, was, would, if you had turned your mind to this 20 years ago or 15 years ago, um, would you have been able to produce it technologically? Like was, were were there technological breakthroughs that led to this now, or is it really the market or the, um, you know, the, the, the world need like what, what, why now? 
That is a really good question, and, there, and it's, a, it's very complex. So uh, I'm, I'm going to try to get into that question a little bit because it is, it is kind of complex. One of, the, one of the reasons that we got the technology got to this point is, and I said this to um, some of my, uh, my vegetarian friends, has to do with animal agriculture. And that was the uh, animal agriculture trying to produce uh, soy in more places and more efficiently to help feed animals, as well as the soy, soy industry being able to con- do, do things like soy isolates and soy concentrates. And that was also to extend meat products. So that was the basis of the technology. Our, we have some very close ties in our, in our management group in the vegetarian meat industry, the meat replacement industry, uh, and things like tech, TVP, textured vegetable protein, as well as work for the soy industry. All these were related to getting into the you know, plant-based, what you call them, plant-based meats, which we just call meat replacements back in the day. But the whole thing was, just like you just said about the Boca burger, is that we were, they were working in this industry, but it was, we're making crappy products. They just didn't, they looked like maybe meat products and maybe have some of the flavor, but they never delivered the texture. They never delivered that bite, that, that, that factor that people are looking for. And two of our partners said, you know, we're talking years ago and said, you know, uh, if we could ever figure out a way to, to get to that texture, we, we really would have something. But one of the, and, and I won't get in too much detail on this, but one of them ended up, uh, who was working a lot in the TVP, ended up with a plant that, uh, that had, had a lot of extra, had production time and decided he really needed to figure out how to do this. So millions of dollars later, he finally figured out how to do this. Now, I'm not saying, I don't, I think a lot of people out there have been trying to get to this point, and I don't think that, I think they've been missing the mark. They just don't understand how to get there. And, uh, we finally just happened to hit it. And it could be a little bit by, uh, it had, we had to have all those precursors, those things in, in the front of it to get to that point. But when we finally started looking at this, and I think it was about five or six, about six years ago, five or six years ago, we said, maybe we have something here. Maybe we finally have got it. But how do we convince people with all the, all the bad products out there, how do you convince them that we have, have something that actually is pretty good? And uh, so we've been trying to, we've been bringing this to market maybe a little bit slow, but we're trying to make sure we're doing it the right way. And we're ready to move in the, we're going, you're going to see a very big growth spurt. I mean, right now, because we, we've, we've checked off all the boxes. We did our research right. We have a plant set up and it is running now and we're ready to move it in no big way. The other, other thing about this, Howard, it was kind of hard was, this is not something you can do in a in a in a pilot plant or on a bench top. You almost you had to have a full production facility to make this happen. One of my partners said we're kind of like 3D printing 3D printing meat, and I wouldn't go. We're not using that that 3D printing technology, but we're using we're doing something that's much more efficient and uh, much more. Um, um, complicated i guess to, to do what we're doing today and this is what's a really amazing thing about this technology mm-hmm. i will say this one one thing that I, we were very encouraged by is all the what you guys are doing all the new interest in this area to really get to a very a, a higher quality of, of plant products so uh when we were first five years ago when we were when we formed kind of got our group together, say, okay, this is where we're going. We thought one of the hardest things we're going to have to do is how to convince the public that take a, to take a chance on us again and, and instead of we have the, you know, the crappy products that we've been through in the past, that we actually have something pretty good. And I believe all the new, new up, upcoming companies that are out there and new publicity and interest on this, I think that's actually made it much easier than, and solved that problem for us. And we don't have to convince the public. I, to, to do something like this. Mm-hmm. 
Has it been getting easier to convince investors that this is a a going concern that this is this is the the future? Yeah, that that was that slowed us down about a year and a half. Was trying to find that right investor to um, to work with us, and we did. We have a very good investor, uh, initial investor uh, has been very good, and now it's been much easier. And and that that did slow us down about a year and a half uh, behind was finding that 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 first investor because we we could not I mean, we had we had samples and things we could show people but we couldn't we, it, this wasn't like going in the lab and and, and re, redoing it in fact our our manufacturing plant is our is our pilot plant is our lab the whole facility is we had to have the whole facility to do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, was when you're pitching to investors, what what are you showing them? Because right there's there's the the feed the world aspect, which like doing good sure. may or, may or may not bring return, right? So you you do need yeah. to show like here's here's the market. Yeah. Well, one of the, the, the we're hitting not only we're we're hitting the market in in several different ways. One of them is is uh, growing population to feed the world. Number one is that we are a clean label. We are non-GMO and very short ingredient listing. A lot of the uh, newer meat products that are coming out, or meat replacement products that are coming out there, you know, have a very long ingredient list of different things and different uh, that that they need to have to make their make their product. We don't, uh, and we can hit so many different boxes of high protein, low fat, low glycemic index, uh, low sodium, high potassium, we, whatever you, we're, we're halal, we're kosher. Uh, we, we, we can check off many, many boxes. So whatever, and we can take our product and, and, and hit whatever flavor profile look or, nutritional profile you're trying to deliver in a, in a food product. So it's like a blank, it's like, I tell them, it's just like a blank sheet of uh, a blank board, a whiteboard. And you tell me what do you want and how you want your product to be. And then we can manufacture that. The only thing right now uh, we are, we're just, we're just launching everything with soy protein, but within uh, a year, year and a half, we can be with any other, any other protein. The key to our our product is that we need a concentrated protein plant. So as other pulse proteins, you know, pea proteins, others become more prevalent, more concentrated, those raw materials become more available, which I know they're coming. I've had, I have several major manufacturers tell me, yeah, we're getting ready to produce those in a big way. We feel that they will fit right where, and we know this from some early trials, they'll fit right through our system and we can turn convert those also into uh, uh, meat replacement or uh, plant protein products. The other thing is, we also are making. We can make crunchy snacks and and and, and jerky. So we can make hot, we can make a a something like like a Cheeto, uh, it, and have that texture have it be about fifty percent plant protein. And then we can do something that's more a little more crunchy, or like more like a, a little bit less than a, a corn nut that has about sixty five to sixty seven percent protein and you and you feel like an indulgence <laughs> so we can do that also mm-hmm. and what what um yeah i don't know much about the uh, protein i uh, sorry the the soy agriculture industry you know i i guess i, I know there's all the, there's a lot of gmo stuff and there's a huge need for uh for feeding soy to to animals what, what when when you go big? What what might that do in terms of you know agriculture and and environmental effects of of growing more soy, fewer feedlots, um, all that? We're, well, we're 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 one of the things I like. We and I guess I should have talked about this earlier. We are five times more efficient. Excuse me, twenty times more efficient in producing the same. Uh, protein product at the end and it goes like this to to make one pound of pork you you need five pounds of soy meal 
So you're taking five pounds of soy meal and you make one pound of pork. To make one pound of our product, we take we take actually take one pound of soy protein and we make five pounds of our product. So when they're dividing, we're actually multiplying, and that's so that's 20 times more efficient. So we're not going to be um, cutting into needing a lot more land resources. In fact, uh, every time you know we're we're cutting the need dramatically by that proportion as we as we go. So we're not going to run out of raw material anytime, at least not by the year 2050 at all. So, uh, and we are, all of our products right now are non-GMO. So we're just using non-GMO soy. That's just so we can ship anywhere in the world. We don't have to be non-GMO. It's not, it's not germane to our product, but it's just the easiest way to go right now. And as long as that's available, that's fine. But if we get to, ever get to a point where uh, we need to use something, you know, that is GMO, but for whatever reason in the in the distant future, we can do that. So not a, not an issue one way or the other. And then, like I said, we're really not limited to the plant protein. We're limited to the concentration of the protein. So the tech, that's the reason I, I I had to give credit back to the. Uh, the soy protein industry and, uh, and then able, and most of that was, like I said, was going into, in the meat replacement of meat products and meat replacement products. That was the technology that we needed to, in order to develop our, our product. So. Gotcha. What, what, what are your thoughts on the, the emerging technologies that are like animalless meats? I guess Memphis meats is the, the one that I've heard of where, you know, take, taking the, uh, Growing actual meat in a lab, uh, where where do you see that fitting in, either as complementary or as com- competition? Uh, that is, and and for me being a uh, a muscle physiologist, biochemist, that is that is really cool technology to me. I think that is very interesting and very cool, and uh, and I think it's uh, something worth pursuing. I still, from a from an eating standpoint, I don't know, how, or acceptance standpoint, I'm, I'm really not sure how that's going to be in the future. So I think it's 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 something that's going to take some some um, some training and marketing and and understanding as they as they get to the future. One of the things that that and for me, and again, I, I just know enough about because I've been at meetings with with those presentations, listening to them talk. And I don't know in depth their process, but I'm still not sure how efficient that's going to be in um, in being able to feed the world. I mean, it sounds if you so I'm I'm still thinking that jury is still out. Maybe they'll come up with it as a as the research goes along. So uh, technology wise, I think it's cool. Uh, the uh, the, the desire to do something like that, that's admirable. But is it is it going to be that efficient? And will it be able to be, I guess, scaled up to be able to help feed the world? That's still a little lot, still way out there, still a long way out there. Right. And I guess the, the relevant question is if somebody put your product when it's all finished in a head-to-head taste competition, would people notice a difference? I don't know how... I don't know how you because uh, we can make our, our product can we can make it taste any way we want it to taste. One one of the when we were trying to get our initial investor, we actually fed the board of directors of our of our investor uh, a product we called a Chick Fil A breakfast sandwich. <laughs> so we we tried to we we duplicated a small uh, Chick Fil A. We said we say it was Chick Fil A. Nobody questioned that. In fact. In order, uh, we I didn't actually didn't do that. It was actually the uh, some of the people of the company were doing it to just to see if, how good this product was. And at the end of the presentation, which is 30 minutes later, they asked everybody how they liked their chicken sandwich, and everybody said it was good. There was no dissent of anything, and they said, "Well, we just want to let you know there was no chicken in that sandwich," and they couldn't believe it. <laughs> so. That that's we've done that many many times to people. In fact, when we when we're at, when we're at trade shows and showing our product, we don't tell them right away that we're not we're, we're we don't say hey this is plant we're plant plant based or we're vegan or 
we don't say that. We just say, hey, try try a, a tender here. And they try it. And then they go, they say, what do you think? He said, oh, it's good. And he said, well, you know, there's no meat in that. And then they're really shocked because their senses that you eat with your eyes, you eat with your taste buds, you eat with that, and you feel that texture and that bite. And once they've got all that, now it's in their head that this, this can't, this has got to be a chicken tender. It cannot be anything else because that's what the, all their senses are telling them. That. And, and then they realize it's not, and they have, they have to convince themselves that it's, that it's not something. And then they say, well, this is actually better than the, than the chicken tenders we've been serving at, in our, at our cafeteria or our school or, or uh, at McDonald's, you get at McDonald's. And we go, yeah, so it's possible. So it's just really, that's, that's where I, I don't, I'm not worried about I, I, what somebody like the, the Memphis meats are. I think we actually have the, the better uh, mousetrap or whatever you want to call it. We have the better technology right now and it's here. And, we, and we're just, we're going to start really growing it and multiplying it in a, in a big way. Great. So where can people first uh, experience Improved Nature products? We are, we are launching, we're doing a little bit uh, unconventional launch. We were trying, uh, not initially going to be a branded product. We were actually, we were actually talking with a lot of different groups about making products under their brand. Uh, but our initial launches are actually the school lunch program. And the reason we went there is because uh, they don't brands don't really matter. We just have to hit the nutritional profile and meet all the all the USDA uh, standards that they need in the child nutrition program. A lot of plant-based uh, products cannot can, can cannot necessarily hit all of those parameters as well as be price competitive because that's a very price sensitive market. We only have you know so much they can spend on school lunches. Well, we those those low margins don't affect us at all. We can help them and do just fine. So now uh, we we're we're launching a our initial launch in the school launch is a is a crispy tender, and it will be launched in the uh, Los Angeles area starting early uh, early this year and in a big way this coming fall. So we will start in Southern California and actually move into Northern California initially. It sounds kind of ironic that we're launching in California when when our manufacturing is in uh, right outside of here in Raleigh, North Carolina. But that's that's just where the demand was. People wanted our product, and they are very impressed with what we're getting ready to do there. Uh huh. And and so the idea is you 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 prove it there. Kids come home, tell their parents, and that that sort of. Uh, proof of concept yeah. and, and start spreading the word. That's exactly right. And we're also uh, we're also looking to launch uh, somewhere in a uh, with a major retailer later on this year. And I don't I can't tell you what that where that's going to go. If we if we haven't if we don't make that deal if we don't do that we will we may just go ahead and and launch our own branded product. We were thinking that being a supplier and not being a branded product, we would be able to meet multiple avenues. Uh, but right now, we're really for our, our initial launch of school lunch program. We may be launching a line of, of beef, uh, of, sorry, I always say beef jerky, but we may be launching a, a line of jerky here very soon because we just made us the basic prototypes and took them to a show and retained the biggest hit at the show. Uh, we had meat snack companies coming by and, and saying that was this was a great product, so we thought that was very very interesting. Gotcha. So, so for for, uh, for the school lunch is is that that's going to be like a meat replacement? So you'll have kids getting the, the crispy tenders instead of uh, their chicken nuggets. Exactly. Yes. So yes. Is, is there I'm, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of meatless Mondays and even there's some meat 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 free Fridays and and. Uh, we're, ho- we're we're launching it for their their vegetarian options initially, but we we're hoping that it will be. You, there's there's some schools that say we're only going to have vegetarian options on certain days too, mm. and we're hoping that this will this will give somebody uh, more options and, uh, and and like I said, you bleed over saying you know this is a 
this is a better alternative than the, than the regular chicken nugget you have. And, and we've had several people tell us that. So the proof it will be how, how it's, it's accepted by the, by the kids yeah. in, in the school program. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in like a, uh, you know, a health study. If you took a school and you just swapped out their, their, their chickens for your crispy tenders and you, you know, you monitor the kids' health for six months, if you see any difference. Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't. Of course, you're, you're talking, I'm a nutritionist and a biochemist. I, I'm not sure that would, that would occur, but I, I would say you wouldn't, you wouldn't lose anything. It, it wouldn't, I don't know if it'd be any healthier for you or not, but I'll tell you one thing, we're, we're not, uh, a chicken is very lean, so I'm not worried about that, but there's a lot of, a lot of other meat products that are very fat. We're not very, we that's all, there's only two two things that we don't do very well. Number one, we don't add a lot of fat to it, and number two, we we don't know how to put bone in it, so <laughs> we can't do either one of those very well. Uh-huh. But as far as if you just think about lean, if you think about lean uh, or just lean meat, I won't say I just say this word meat, but if you think about lean meat or any place you would put uh, chunks of chicken or beef or meat. Uh, our fillets, we can do that. So anything you think at lean, uh, we can replace that with a product that has the same eating experience, uh, that you're currently in that soak. Right. Well, you're, you're probably busy, but if you want, I can send you lots of, lots of data on, uh, how bad even supposedly lean chicken is for, for our health. But, uh, since, since you're, since you're busy coming up with a replacement, I don't feel the need to bother you with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I've read a lot of those studies and and, and back and forth. I, I've seen a lot of data it, uh, on that. I, I there there's a there's a, there those are some minor more minor nutritional things. There's there's a lot of major effects on on the diets that I'm more concerned about, and and that would be a lot of too many carbs, you know, a lot of sugar. And those kind of things, I think, are more detrimental to your diet than than where you're getting your protein from. But I do I do think that what we're doing here is going to be uh, much more, um, I guess, nutritionally sound than, than than some of the other meat products that are out there. I would I can I agree with you on that. All right. Well, we'll 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 agree to. Do, uh... To leave, to leave, on that one. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe not, but certainly leave it alone. I don't think I don't think it's relevant to to what you're doing and how it can uh, no. it can help change the world. So, right, right. So if you if you get curious, you can you can reach out. Otherwise, uh, just you know, put put your head down <laughs> and replace meat oh, I, with improved I, nature. Hey, I'm all I, I'm very curious. I'd love to. I, if you want to send me stuff, I read everything. I'd love to see what you, what the, the data is. In fact. But I, I, I look. I like to go through and look at the. I go all the way into the studies. I look at the the way the study was set up. I'm, I go much deeper than the average person, and I've done that on my on my life because I don't I don't necessarily believe what people won't want, want tell me initially. I want to understand what they're coming from, what their research data was, what is their, and that's and that's proved me uh, helped me along through my career. So I, I don't get lost. In the top line, I want to see exactly where the where the uh, the data is coming from and, and what that means. And a lot of people are people are all, all people are different and biologic. You know, they they diets different diets for different people. But one of the things about what we're getting ready to do here in ours is we're not. I don't see a limit to anybody with what we're what we're getting ready to produce. Any type of special diet. Whether you want to be vegetarian, vegan, or just a, a flexitarian, or however you you want to arrange your diet, if you have, uh, you know, you have issues, special concerns with high blood pressure, or diabetes, uh, obesity, every you can eat just about everything we're going to be producing. If you have religious issues, uh, you know, you need to be halal kosher. We're meeting that not meeting desire too. So it's hard to it's hard to you know it sounds sometimes it sounds too good to be true but but it's, it's really the only thing we have detrimental in our product right now is that 
Soy protein is an allergen to some people are allergic to soy protein. Mm-hmm. And we should be able to produce other products that are not allergenic in, a, in probably probably about another year, or year and a half, really. Maybe 20, 20, by 2019, uh, we should be able to do other, other types of plant proteins through our process. All right. Well, people people will be looking forward to that. So I'm, I'll I'll work on you slowly. I'll I'll start out by sending you a book that I uh, I helped write called Proteinaholic: How Our Obsession with Meat Is Killing Us and What We Can okay. Do About It. So that that'll probably run counter to a lot of what you what you uh, think right now. And I'll be glad. I'll be glad to read it. I'll be glad to read it. Cool. But in the meantime, like you know, don't don't read it at the expense of doing what you're doing. So, because okay, we, no we, we agree no on the need for that. So, uh, Rody Hawkins, I'm so happy that you're you know, in my neck of the woods. Maybe someday I can come by and get a, get a taste and uh, get fooled um, by your products. Um, I'm so happy that North Carolina is, uh, is turning into a, a powerhouse agricultural um, state in the right direction, moving, moving away from the the costs and some of the cruelties of, of uh, the pig farming that's been going on around here. And I'm really excited about the future that, uh, that you and a bunch of other people are spearheading. So uh, I want to th- and thank you for taking the time today. Sure. Thank you very much. And I, you, you just said one thing I want to, I think North Carolina has been, they've been very good to us and, and they're very excited about what we're doing here. So the, the, a lot of the state agricultural people are, have been very good to us. So good, good to know. Yeah, we made me proud, proud of my adopted home. <laughs> I am proud. I'm proud of North Carolina. All right, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll stay in touch. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, and you'd like to support our mission in a really easy way please just subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. I don't know exactly how or why, but that kind of love gets us pushed higher up on the podcast rankings and so more people can find us. If you'd like to find out how to do that, just go to plantyourself.com review for a tutorial. For more information about the Big Change Program led by me and Josh Lajani, visit bigchangeprogram.com. And for more information about the corporate and organizational offerings, of WellStart Health, you can check out wellstarthealth.com. And be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 257. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 256 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com, where you can also get my occasional newsletter. If you'd like to support this show, other than writing that review on iTunes, you can share this in other episodes on social media and via email, and you can also become a patron with an ongoing contribution, and you can do that over at plantyourself.com. Just click the Patreon link on the right. In garden news, the bees are mostly alive. The trees that fell mostly missed our garden, and it's been warming up and raining, so we're looking forward to a good spring planting season in a couple of weeks starting. In running news, I've been taking it easy. My injuries are healing. And so in the next couple of weeks, I hope to be back up to mileage, maybe 25, 30 miles a week for a while. Oh, and then I have the uh, marathon in Raleigh, actually in a couple of weeks. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, things are on the up and up. All right. Cue the strains of Will Ridenour's Cora as I thank him for allowing me to use Sabali Dawn, the Dance of Peace, as the theme music for this show. Check out willridenour.com for more. And of course, thanks to all you Plant Yourself podcast patrons, as in Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hathaway, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Dean Ahern, Jen Vlogonofsky, David Bysak, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elizabeth Feldman, Victoria Double and Nova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Jul- Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Ryan the Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzik, Jeanette Bedham, Gil, Sarah David, Donahue, Blair Seibert, Dorona Vizo, Gio, and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Thunderbrook, Michelle Rosen, Michael Warbeck. <laughs> 
The equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmed, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R. Susan Laverty, the Camp Panda, Vegan Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch of Plant Happy Oregon, Sabine Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copelshow, Rutledge, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Lang, Home Hedegaard, Isa Tuzanwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva La El, Heather O'Connor. Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, and welcoming newcomers Elizabeth Rothschild and Kelly Baker Miracle for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends.